Hi, um, I'm Jennifer McLean, the kids director. And this is Chloe Gregory, and she got saved on October 15th. Yeah! So we talked about baptism, and she's wanting to get baptized, and Dad's come up here to do it because as parents, aunts, grandparents, uncles, whatever you are in a child's life, you should be responsible for their salvation. So that should be your number one goal to see any child in your life saved. And so, Chloe, are you ready? All right. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy So Chloe's going to be down here in the front. Come up here and tell her you're proud of her. Let's support this. This is what we want from our children. But let my kids come through first because we have a whole lesson to do back there.
it out to the Lord. Keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. Oh, you keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. Yes, He does. Keep on getting better. Keep on getting better. Every day in Jesus. Keep on getting better. Keep on getting better. Keep on getting better. Keep on.
How could we ever, ever, ever even imagine what it's like in heaven? We can think, we can think about it, all these things, but we can't even imagine. When we get to heaven, we look around. It's just, there's just something. Something we all have that we all, you know, we just, we're just, it's something we're anticipating. But right here on earth, this is what we have. We raise the hallelujah to the Lord Jesus. He saved us. How could I have ever known the Lord was going to do this, right? In this place today, in this church, in my life, in your life. Who could have even imagined that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, for some of the younger ones, two years ago, a year ago? You know, let the Lord move. Let the Lord work. Just lay your life down to the Lord and not give a care about what people think and what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. They're going crazy all around you, but you know better, right? I know better. Let's not go crazy with the world. Let's look to Jesus. He's our answer. Amen, 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 right. Thank you, Lord. Great to see you, everybody, today. Say hi to your neighbor. Say hi to two neighbors or three. Well, praise the Lord. What a wonderful time together in worship. I love to hear the church of God worshiping and praising him. I will say this morning, I heard a lot of praise and I also heard some rocks too. Because if we won't praise him, the rocks will cry out. (laughs) Every chance you get, let's praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Amen. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Orchardville Church. Uh, just slip your hand up real quick. I don't want to embarrass you. We just want to appreciate you. If you're a first-time guest, first time being at Orchardville Church, slip that hand up. Have some over here. Thank you for being with us, and there's a card in the seat in front of you or right behind you if you're in the front row, and it has just some basic information if you'll turn that in at the welcome desk. We have a gift for you just to thank you for being with us today, and I trust as soon as you pulled into this parking lot, you felt the love of God here at Orchardville Church and amongst his people. So, to go along with uh, my life, and I'm sure the life of others in this place today, The title of my message this morning is, I don't understand, but I trust you. How many of you have had to say that in your life before? At least the first part, I don't understand. Lots of us, most of us, if not all of us at one point in our life or another have said that to God. I don't understand. But then we have to remember that second part but I trust you, but I trust you. And there's some, there's some things, there's some heavy things we have to deal with on this earth, but we have to remember to trust him in the midst of it. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we'll be in verses 25 through 32. I also heard something from the Lord on Thursday about this message, but I'm going to keep that till the end, so don't get up and leave. Also, don't get up and leave and go in and out all the time during service. I announced that a couple weeks ago. If you can take care of all that business beforehand, (laughs) that'd be great. I guess there's people that hang out in the hallways and in the coffee shop coming into the service. Come in here. You're here to worship the Lord, be with his people, so join us. All right, Psalm 119, 25 through 32. Here we go. Will you stand for the reading of the word? Eventually, I'll get a habit of remembering that. My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life, and you answered me. 
teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. And God, I know in life there are times we do not understand things. But God, we have got to get it in our heart and in our mind and down in our spirit that we are to trust you no matter what. So Father, right now I pray this word releases into hearts that need to hear it. Father, they understand there's going to be questions, there's going to be things that they can't explain, but we have to trust you. If you are the Lord of our life, we have to trust you. The good times and the bad, Father. We just praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a a little introduction into Psalm 119. It consists of 176 verses. I chose not to read all of those this morning, but... In this psalm, it's expressing a, a full range of emotions, of human emotions going on here. And, and Psalm 119, is a, it's a beautiful psalm expressing a, a broken man's desire to hear from God and to know him through his word. And he's trying to understand his situation through the lens of God's word. And we don't always do that. We just look at the situation. We don't ever go to God's word to try to understand it through that perspective. And he believed in this scripture here that if you obey the law, then no harm would happen to you. We know that's not always the case, that things do happen in life, that we're going to have problems, we're going to have struggles. But he was experiencing, uh, when he's thinking, you know, I'm obeying this, so what's going on? He's experiencing all kinds of harm, so he asked God, where have I gone wrong? Have you done that? What did I do, God? What did I do to deserve this? Why do I have to go through this? But today's passage explores the the intersection, this place where hard stuff meets the holy stuff. Okay? We often meet God who is holy at the intersection of these hard places in life. At least we should be if we're trusting him. Okay? And it's at this intersection where the psalmist finds himself and where God proves to be very present with him in this moment. So this morning, here's a question for you. What controls your thoughts? Our minds are constantly thinking about something. They are. I know mine is. Sometimes it's absent thoughts. <laughs> but there are, there's all sorts of numbers listed and studies done, but research says that the average person has around 6,000 thoughts per day. 6,000 thoughts per day, and that's about six and a half thoughts per minute when we assume that you get eight hours of sleep. (laughs) So, now I know, you know, that not all of those 6,000 thoughts are focused on God, right? We have to think about turning on the blinker. For those of you that don't, you need to think about it. (laughs) Because I'm behind you saying, nice blinker! We have to think about if we're going to make our lunch or we're going to buy our lunch. Lots of thoughts that we have are necessary to survive. But a better question for us when we're thinking about thoughts is what are you meditating on when times are really good or times are really bad? What are you thinking about? And this psalm is helpful because it shows a man who in the midst of his pain is consistently focusing his attention on God. In the midst of his pain. He's aware of his struggle. He's aware of the pain he feels, whether that's physical or spiritual. He knows it's very real. Yet he uses that pain to drive him toward God and God's word. I'm guilty, maybe it's just me, of in the midst of pain, pulling away from God. Pulling away from his word. When I should be doing the opposite in the midst of my heartache and my hurt. So, I'm gonna tell you this this morning, pain always affects us, but we choose if it drives us toward Jesus or away from Jesus. We choose that. 
Again, pain always affects us, but we choose if it drives us toward Jesus or away from Jesus. So I want to talk about pain for just a moment from a biblical perspective. You know, it's, it's pain's not immoral or neutral. God created us with his capacity for pain. When God created man, he created us with flesh and bones and tendons and muscles and ligaments and emotions. And originally, he did not intend for us to tear flesh. Okay? God did not desire for us to break bones or crush limbs or, or those such things, but he created our brain and each connection in it, some more than others, with the potential for both pleasure and pain, right? Pain and pleasure remind us of the God-ordained limits that he's placed on us. It was because of sin and the fallen nature of our world that the prevalence of pain increased, the first time pain is ever mentioned was an act of God's word upon both woman and man. Genesis 3, 16, 17. And he said to the woman, I will intensify. It says intensify. So it was already there. Your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. So because of the effects of sin, pain is normal. It's something we deal with. When Jesus returns and finalizes all that he has promised us, there will be no more pain. Amen. There will be no more tears. There will be no more grief and sorrow. We won't have to deal with that anymore. Hallelujah. But both Isaiah 25 and Revelation 21.4 tell us that that day is still yet to come. So we're here. We're dealing with it. So what we do with the pain is essential um, to our human existence here on earth. We can try to treat it. Okay? We can try to drown it in alcohol, as some people do. We can numb it with drugs, hobbies, sex, compulsions, we can use all these things to try to numb the pain that we're dealing with. But if you've experienced this, you know that's not the answer. Because once that numbness wears off, the pain is still there. And I can't help but wonder if the mass legalization of marijuana points to a much bigger picture. A, a picture of people who are struggling with some physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. And we as a nation have contributed to, to the pervertedness of the enemy and said, here's your answer. Here's your answer. For the Christian, for the believer, who better to go to with our pain than the one who created us with that capacity? God created us. He understands the things we deal with. Satan cannot create. He can only pervert. Again, Satan cannot create, he can only pervert. Therefore, he takes what God created for good and he perverts it. All over the place. God created us in such a way that we would experience both pleasure and pain. Satan has perverted both of these feelings. But it's God, again, who knows us intricately and wonderfully. He, he made us. He knows our original design and his original intentions so again, we should take our physical, emotional pain, whatever it is, to the one who made us, not run away from him. We bring our pain to him. We don't take it to the enemy so he can pervert it and us rely on other things that are not going to help us in the midst of it. A lot of times people want to take their pain to aftermarket specialists and, uh, who can only treat the symptom instead of ministering to the source of that pain. The only one that can do that for you, I'm going to tell you today, is God. And that's why the psalmist here, he cries out to God, help me understand. It's a powerful prayer. Help me understand. In verse 27, he said, help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. And there, here's, there's a beautiful thing about following Jesus. There's a lot of beautiful things, but here's one. Life is eternal, death isn't. 
I've clung to that for the last 14, 15 months. Life is eternal, death isn't. And you know what? Those that don't know Jesus can't say that. They don't know that. They can't say it. This is, good, this is as good as it gets for people that don't believe in Jesus. How hopeless. But for believers, what we experience here, even if, as we pass, this is momentary compared to what's awaiting us for eternity. Which leads me to tell you this, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus as believers, grief and pain are checkpoints for us. They are not destinations. When you go through stuff, when you go through pain, when you lose your son, that is a checkpoint in life. That is not a destination for me to stay in. They are reminders to us that we still anticipate a future completion of a relationship with Jesus through the promise of eternal life and the kingdom of heaven. I know I've got to go through this. I know I've got to experience this. I know I'm going to have some trials and troubles, but I have a promise as I trust in Jesus that there's more waiting for me. That I won't have to deal with this all eventually. I won't have to deal with pain. I won't have to deal with hurt. I won't have to deal with this anymore when this completion comes with Jesus in eternity. Amen. Hebrews 13, 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, which means when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. That's what's waiting for us. In the meantime, this. <laughs> in the meantime, this, but the spirit that was left to us helps us. Helps us. We're invited to pray like he does here. Help me understand your precepts. He wanted to know God's word because by it, there is life. Holy Spirit wants us to know the word because by it, there is life. The Lord helps us understand and strengthens us through the word. And the psalmist cries out to know the word of God because in it, there is life. And this involves, it involves far more than reading the Bible. You know, some of the worst people in the country and in, in, in the world have read the Bible. So it goes far beyond reading God's word and it, it goes towards experiencing God's word. It's more than just reading it, it's experiencing it, it's applying it and walking it out. I won't rap again. <laughs> And you can connect this Psalm 119 to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The written word points us to the living word. So the Bible is what some would call special revelation. And you can never know about salvation through Christ Jesus apart from scripture. You can't know it. You cannot find God's salvation plan anywhere else except in God's word. And that's because the living word inhabits the written word. To love God's word is to love the one who inspired it. Do you love his word? In Jesus, we find that the psalm, what the psalmist longed for. We have one who is closer than a brother. If you say, I'm alone in this life, you are not alone as a believer. You are not alone. In Jesus, we have one who will not let us be put to shame. So the psalmist cries out to know God's word, and every year on Pentecost, the Jews would read aloud the words of King David, help me understand, strengthen me through your word. And we can cry out as believers, not only to know the written word, but also that the word become flesh. 
the living word that dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. Three questions to think about, okay? First one, in the presence of pain, are you growing closer to Jesus? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say yes. You have to think about that this morning. In the presence of pain, because right now some of you are in the presence of pain. I know that. You're in the presence of pain, but through that, are you growing closer to Jesus? Okay? Think about that. We're not, deny, we're not called to deny the existence of trouble, but we're not to allow trouble to dominate us and control our thoughts. Let me say that again. We're not called to deny the existence of trouble. In this life, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But we're not to allow trouble to dominate and control our thoughts. We cannot be consumed by those things. Paul David Tripp asked, does God loom so large in your thoughts that you grow strong in faith, even in the middle of what is unexpected and difficult? Do you still grow strong in your faith even in the midst of what is unexpected and difficult. Remember, pain's not neutral, it's not immoral, but we choose if our pain points us towards Jesus or away from him. You guys have heard the saying, no pain, no gain? Pain is necessary for growth. Last July... I could have sunk into my pain and quit growing. And nobody would have blamed me. Except maybe strong believers that know you still need to trust in Jesus. If we avoid all pain, we'll never grow. We'll never grow. So we've got to choose to let the presence of pain point us Where's Jesus when it happens? And it will. Can we grow even when all of our questions are not answered? I still have some. Can I still grow? You better believe it. We can still grow even though we have questions that are not answered. Will I draw closer to God even when I don't understand? We should. Where is my default setting for times when I'm lost, when I'm hurting, when I'm grieving, when I'm struggling? Where am I set at in that? When that, those things happen, what's my default setting? What do I go to? If you find your default setting in trouble is to go everywhere but to Jesus, don't despair. We can fix that today. Those are learned behaviors. If your reaction, if your setting right now is when something bad happens, when something difficult happens, you run away from him, we can fix that today. There are people in here that have experienced devastating pain in their life and they chose to run to Jesus. There are people here that can encourage you, that can pray over you with what you're dealing with and let you know that there's a light on the other side. And let you know that Jesus doesn't leave you in the midst of it. Acknowledging where we turn to in our grief can help us focus more intensely on Jesus and his word. The Holy Spirit can help change. If your default setting again is to panic, is to hurt, is to to shut down and not grow closer to him, the Holy Spirit can help you overcome. Second question, are you ingesting enough of God's word to counteract the other voices in your life? And there's a lot of them. A lot of times when we get in a situation, we get in hurt, we get offended, we get whatever the pain is, whatever the tragedy is, we go right to social media. This is reality today. We type out our feelings and we'll ask believers and unbelievers, how do I cope? And then you open up this window of so many people giving advice. So many voices saying how you should cope with that. When the first thing we should open up is this. And let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts. Because everybody may be your friend or say they're your friend, but not everybody's going to give you this when they give you an answer. 
Again, are you ingesting enough of God's word to counteract the other voices in your head? Uh, We live in a time where there is a plethora of information, right? There's an estimated 800 million videos on YouTube. 800 million. So information is readily available to us. It's accessible like never before in our day. So never before has it been easier for it to influence our lives with voices other than God's. And that's why we've got to be intentional regarding our devotion to God's word. If you get in situations where you turn to everything but God, I'm going to challenge you and ask you, are you in his word? We've got to be intentional in it. That's the voice we need to hear from. The Holy Spirit and God's word is what we need to hear. We cannot withdraw what we do not deposit. If I don't have this stored up inside of me, I can't withdraw from it. When hard times come, when difficult things come, I have nothing to pull out because I haven't ingested it and deposited it in my heart. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And we can't, we can't meditate upon God's word and his goodness if we've never taken time in God's word and taken time in his goodness. So this week I want to encourage you guys, if you're not in God's word, I'm going to encourage you to meditate on some scriptures this week. I'm not talking read a big old chunk because you're not going to remember all of that. Find one. Meditate on it throughout the week, memorize it, interact with it, and it'll go deeper into your life. Third question, what's one area that you are asking God to help you understand according to his word? I didn't say, what's one area that you're asking, help me understand, and leave it at that, according to his word. And here in Psalm 119, that We know that God hears, he listens, and he responds to the prayers of his people. Now, when I say that, he may not respond the way you want him to. But he responds. You have to accept that. He is active in listening. He's active in caring for us. He's active in concerning, having concern for his people. Matthew 10, 29 through 31, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So what are you asking God to help you understand? You know mine. (laughs) But asking those questions demonstrates trust and faith in God along with confidence in his goodness. And God may not tell you why that trauma happened. God may not tell you why that tragedy happened. God may not tell you why that trauma happened in your childhood. Or why that accident happened. Or he might. Sometimes God reveals the particulars like he did at the end of the book of Daniel. And sometimes God reminds us that he is in charge like he does at the end of Job. Who are you to question? (laughs) But in asking the question, help me understand your word, we are engaging with God and trusting in his power, his goodness, his sovereignty, that he knows what's going on. And in just a little bit, I'm going to open up these altars for prayer. And I'm going to talk first to people that you're feeling overwhelmed. You're weary. You're burdened. You're hurting. You're tired. I'm going to invite you to bring that pain and those emotions to Jesus. Because you're not meant to carry those. He is. Instead of letting that push you away from God, I want it this morning to drive you towards him. 
And I'm going to invite all who will come to Jesus because he invites all who are weary and heavy burdens to come and he will give you rest. Some of you just need to rest. And if you will bring that heaviness, bring those burdens to Jesus, he will give you rest. Second, maybe you don't love God or his word like you want to. Guess what? Those people are in the church. Okay? At one point in my life, I didn't understand how valuable this was. I might post a scripture every once in a while. I might read a scripture every once in a while, but I didn't understand how alive and active this could be in my life and how much of a help it could be in my life. So I'm a, you can come up this morning also and, and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to create a desire in you to ingest his word, to have a hunger for his word. And then make a plan in your heart to meditate upon God's word throughout the week, every week. And the last thing, there's some people in here this morning that you have struggled and struggled and struggled with the question, why? Why? And maybe you're afraid of, of praying wrong. You're afraid of offending God with your question. Don't worry about that. I'm going to invite you to bring that question before the Lord and ask him to help you understand according to his precepts and his ways. If our praise team would come up. If you guys will stand this morning. I mentioned earlier that I got a word from the Lord on Thursday for this this morning. And I wrote it down because, like any middle-aged man, we're forgetful. And when God speaks to me a lot of the time, I'll put it right into my phone so I don't forget it. Sometimes it's at 3 in the morning, I wake up and you know, give me a thought. And I know for sure then, I must put it down. <laughs> I've got to write it down. But Thursday, about this particular message, I don't understand, but I trust you. He let me know this morning, and whether you respond or not, there's been times that the Lord's dropped things in me and people respond, some people don't, and then they respond afterwards because they didn't want to come up, and it happens. But I feel like when I hear from the Lord, I'm going to share it with you guys and let you know what he's saying this morning, that there are some people in this building this morning who are, you're at your breaking point. You're at your breaking point. And you feel completely alone. And some of you say, why would they feel alone? They're right in the midst of all these people. It doesn't matter. Right now, there are people in this room that feel completely alone. And you said over and over, I don't understand. I don't understand why this isn't happening. I don't understand why that's not happening. I don't understand why I'm having to go through this. But you've never, and hear me, this is from God. You've never moved to the second part that says, but I trust you. You're not having a hard time saying, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand, but you're not remembering the second part. But I trust you. But I trust you. But I trust you. And you've stayed on this questioning side for way too long. And you think you're okay because you're still getting up each day. You're still going to church. You're still functioning. But you aren't actually trusting God. And I know that's hard to hear. But trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or strength of someone or something. And a lot of times we like to say that trust is earned, but we can't say that with God. Trust is given to him. And it's built through our relationship with God. If you're not trusting him, your relationship has been suffering with him and he wants to restore that this morning. Honey, come here. Turn around. All the way around. She's having a hard time already. 
But if I tell her, fall backwards, I'll catch you. Without an instant, without a hesitation, in all seriousness, she would fall, right? Why would you fall if I told you that? She trusts me. Why else? Because you know what from me? I won't let her fall. She also knows that I love her. She also knows that I care about her. She also knows that I'm going to walk with her through everything she's facing in this life. God does it even more. God does it even more. If she will trust me, a mere human, how much more should we trust our Heavenly Father that created this universe, that gave you life? You're not alone this morning. You are not alone. God loves you. God cares about what you're going through right now. And he wants you to respond to the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart today. And he wants to remind you that you are not alone. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this morning as we worship, I'm going to encourage you for 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you and he can be trusted. If you're a believer, your life is in the hands of God and he's holding on to you. There's a old chorus hymn that I want to read, not sing, but I want to close with this. If you bow your heads. And again, I, I'm praying right now that I've prayed this week that the Holy Spirit would meet who these people are right here in this room right now that are dealing with the stuff I've been talking about. And this song came to my mind. And it's an old song that says, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn. But through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, you don't understand some things, you're not ingesting God's word, whatever it is, whatever I talked about, I'm going to encourage you to come. If you're one of those that I hit on that, that God dropped in me Thursday. You feel alone. You are completely devastated right now and you're at your breaking point. I want to pray for you. And I want Holy Spirit to remind you that he's with you. And I want you to cast your cares on him this morning. Father, right now we come to you. We thank you for who you are. And God, I know, I know, I know, I know that we don't always understand things. And Lord, we are, we are fixers in nature. We want to fix things. We want to make it better. But God, we've got to take it to you. We can't put a band-aid on something that you want to completely heal. So Father, I pray right now for those that are hurting, those that are struggling, those that are in the midst of a breaking point, Father, that you would give them a breakthrough this morning. And Father, we give it to you right now. I ask you to minister in a powerful way change people's lives. Father, if anybody doesn't know your son Jesus as their savior, I pray they come this morning and make Jesus the Lord of the life. The man that came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died for our sins on the cross, was brutally beaten, gave up his life for us. And Father, he rose again, he conquered the grave, and now he rests at your right hand, seated with you, God, interceding right now on our behalf. Father, I pray they respond to your salvation in your son today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.